tonight God's word comes to us from 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter 3. We're going to begin our reading at verse 8, and we're going to read through the end of this chapter. Our focus tonight is going to be on verses 13 through 17 of the chapter. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 8, what we hear now is God's word. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, we continue in this section of 1 Peter uh, dealing with how we are to live <clears throat> and, and the results that the gospel has in the life of the believer. When we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's more than just something intellectual that affects the way that we live. And as we have seen, Peter pointed out, it affects our relationship. The relationship of husbands and wives, it affects our relationship to the state, to those in authority over us. It affects our relationship with others in the church, that we are to be unified, have unity together. The gospel makes a difference in our lives. 
Now, in this section, he's going to return to something he brought up earlier in chapter 1. How does the gospel affect us when we find ourselves confronted with difficulty? He talked about the theme of suffering earlier. He says in verse 15, even if there's trouble in your lives, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Whether things are going well, whether they're going poorly, that's the call to believers, to honor Christ the Lord as holy. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight from this section of 1 Peter. He says, we do this in our hearts. We honor Christ in our hearts. And I suspect he says that because we don't always see the power and the holiness in the world around us. What he's saying is, in spite of what you might experience in your life, in your heart, honor Christ as holy. Recognize that Christ still is in control, even though it might not look like it. From verse 13. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. When we look around us, in our life, in our experience, it sometimes looks like Satan is winning. We just sang, the world is ever near, always close. We see, we see so many terrible things going on in the world around us. And in spite of what we see, and even in spite of what we experience, we must remember that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we are to honor him as the Lord, as the one who is holy. We may suffer. We may be persecuted. But even these things, Peter reminds us, are for our blessing. Verse 14, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. That's a confession we make from our heart. That's a confession we make by faith because it certainly doesn't feel like it when we're going through the hard times. It certainly doesn't feel like we are being blessed by God when difficulties come our way. Peter here is just echoing what Jesus himself taught in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says in Matthew 5, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Even times of trial, even times of difficulty, God calls us to recognize he is working his plan out and he will ultimately bring us blessing even through the hardship. 
Peter says, have no fear. Verse 14, last half of the verse 14. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Have no fear when these things happen. Now, now if we suffer because of our sin, because of things we've done wrong, uh, we should take heed to that. But he's talking about if we suffer for doing good. If we suffer when we haven't done anything wrong. Remember, there's no need for fear. There's no need to be troubled because God remains in control. Jesus Christ remains firmly seated on his royal throne. We talked about the fact this morning that he is right now ascended into heaven, ruling and reigning from there. He is king. He is Lord. And all he does is perfect and holy. I remind you what you know so well. The Bible never says that when we place our trust in Jesus Christ, our life will be fine. There will be no difficulties, no hardships. The Bible never says that, never promises that. But what it does promise is when those difficulties come, God will be with us. In the midst of the trial. God will never leave his people. God will never forsake his people. He will always be with us. Even in times of difficulty. In your hearts. Because you may not see it in your experience. In your hearts. Honor Christ the Lord as holy. And Peter says that that recognition. Will also be evident in the things that we say, in the things that we do. In your hearts, honor Christ Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Always be prepared to make a defense. The fact that we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior affects the things that we talk about affects the things that we say, affects our words. And he says, we have to be prepared. If someone asks us, why do you live the way you do? Why do you have this, this hope, even in times of difficulty? We are to be prepared to give an answer. Prepared to say why it is we have hope, not just for this life, but for the life to come as well. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the hope that is in you. That question, why do you do what you do? Why do you live the way you live? Can come from a variety of places. That question can come from our own children. When they see us going through difficulties, going through hardships, and, and yet we we still pray to God prayers of thanks and prayers of joy and that we trust in him. Our kids ask, why do you do that? Be prepared to answer that question from them. That we are honoring Christ as Lord because of everything he has done for us. Because he has saved us from death. He has brought us to life. And no matter what he brings our way, we will honor him as Lord. That question can come from our co-workers. It can come from our neighbors. 
when they see us every Sunday uh, getting out the door on time and getting to church, they know where we're going. They say, why do you do that? It's Sunday. It's a beautiful day. You should be going to the beach instead. Why, why do we spend our time on a beautiful Lord's Day, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, coming to God's house in church? Be prepared to give a defense for the hope that is in you. We do this because we are so thankful to God. Where else would we go on the Lord's Day than but to God's house to worship and to praise Him? Be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for the hope that is in you. And that hope is rooted in the gospel. That's why we live the way we live. Because of the gospel. And I know I use that term a lot. Be prepared to, to tell the gospel, say the gospel. What is the gospel? If someone, if someone asked you, as you walked out of church tonight, before you got to your car, he said the word gospel. What is the gospel? Are you prepared? Are you prepared to tell them what that truth is? To, to, to give a testimony about what God has done in your life. Now, when I was growing up, I think I was confused about what a testimony was. Uh, because sometimes uh, in, our, in our chapels, we'd have someone come and, and speak to the chapel, and, uh, and they would tell a story of how their life was just terrible. And they lived a horrible life, a life of debauchery, a life of sin. And they would describe all of this, and at the very end they'd say, oh yeah, and then Jesus saved me and I got better. And I thought a testimony was about all the bad things that happened in your life. Now I had the great privilege, by God's grace, of growing up in a Christian home. And I went to a Christian church and I went to a Christian school through all of my education. And I thought, well, I don't have a testimony. But a testimony is not about who we are. A testimony is about who God is. And what he has done. And my testimony is that from the earliest moments of my life, God showed his grace to me. He showed his mercy to me, his compassion to me. And he has never once throughout my life left me for a moment. A testimony is about what God has done and what God is doing in the life of his people. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. To be prepared to tell the gospel. Now, we can do that in a variety of ways. We can, the, the most simplest way, and kids, you even know this, John 3, 16, that's the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We can tell them John 3, 16. We can tell them Ephesians 2, verse 8 through 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works so no, so no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has planned for us to do. There are some very simple summaries of the gospel. Always be prepared to share the truth of the hope that is in you. But tonight, I want to be eminently practical. And I want to give you eight simple texts 
But if someone wants to know more about the gospel, more than just John 3.16, more than just Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, if they want to know more, what, what, what texts might you take them to? And, and I would challenge you to, to memorize these. Uh, I, I was going to say to write these in the margin of your Bible, but I know that for many of us, our Bible is now in our hand on our phone. Now, I'm not technological, but some of you are. And I'm sure that there's some way you could highlight these verses in your Bible, on your phone. And I would encourage you to do that. Eight verses that lay out the truth of the gospel so that in our words we might honor God and Christ Jesus as holy. And they all come from the book of Romans. They all come from Romans. Beginning in Romans chapter 1. Romans 1 verse 18. This is where we take people first. This prepares them to hear the gospel. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. What's the problem? God is angry because of sin. That's the problem. That tells people that there is a problem in their lives that has to be dealt with. It prepares them to hear the gospel. Now, the first thing you might say is, well, that's about bad people. That's about really bad people. I'm not that bad. I'm your neighbor. We get along great. Second text. Second text. Romans 3, verse 10. Romans 3, verse 10. None is righteous. No, not one. None of us, me included, is righteous, we tell them. None of us meets God's holy standard. God is angry with sinners who refuse to repent. The problem, God is angry. And yes, that affects each and every one of us. No one is righteous, not even one. That sets them up to hear the news, the good news of the gospel. Romans 3, verse 23 and 24. There's your third text, Romans 3, verse 23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Yes, we are fallen. Yes, we are sinful. But there is good news that we are justified by the work of Jesus Christ, given to us as a gift from God. Now your friend who you're talking to might say something, well, why would God do that? Why would God care to do that for me? If, if I am this fallen sinner that you talked about, text 4, Romans 5, verse 8. Romans 5, verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why would God do this? Because he chose to. Because he chose to show his love for us. There is nothing you have to do to prepare for the grace of God. He is the one who comes to you. He is the one who comes and chooses to love you. And chooses to make you his own while you are still a sinner. Romans 6, verse 23. Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages 
of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Salvation is a free gift from God. The most common thing you'll hear from people is, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? Do I, do I have to go to church? Is that how God will choose me? Is that what God, make God love me? Salvation is a free gift. A free gift of God to those whom he has chosen to show his love to. Romans 6, 23. And then following up on that, Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. You have been set free. Set free from the bondage of your sin. There is no condemnation when you are found in Christ Jesus. At this point, they say, well, there must be something. Something I have to do. Something, something on my part. Well, very simply, Romans 10, verse 9. Romans 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Just believe. That's all. God's done everything. Jesus Christ has done everything necessary to secure your salvation. All you need to do is believe it. Believe in Jesus Christ and what he has done for you. Confess him as your Lord and as your Savior. And then knowing what Jesus Christ has done, the last of the eight texts is from Romans chapter 12. How do we respond to this glorious thing? And this is what the whole book of 1 Peter is about. How do we respond to the gift of the gospel? Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now live the way God has called you. He has changed your life. He has brought you from death to life. You simply embrace that glorious truth by faith and knowing that God has done everything necessary. We say, how can I thank him? I will live in a way that shows him honor and glory. To use Peter's words, I will honor Christ the Lord as holy. Simple. Simple gospel explanation. But it comes from the word of God and therefore is simple but powerful. Because in the word of God is the power unto salvation. Now, now, Peter says when you do this, he says do it with gentleness and with respect. Bring people the gospel in a, in a winsome way. We know the gospel may be an offense to some people, but, but we don't need to be offensive. We can bring the gospel in a pleasant and winsome way, in a simple way. A simple way that, that simply points out the work of Jesus Christ, what he has done for us. And I, I encourage you, if you have the opportunity to share the gospel, make it as simple, as simple as possible. Don't start with the doctrine of reprobation as your entrance point to the gospel. That's a tough one. 
Start with the simplicity of what Jesus Christ has done for you. In your words, honor Christ the Lord as holy. And then finally, in your behavior as well. He says in verse 16, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Live in such a way that that people cannot, cannot question your life and your confession. The two match together. One of the most common reasons people give for not wanting to go to church, one of the most common reasons I hear for why people don't want to go to church, it often does not have to do with our theology. It has to do with our life. Why would I want to spend time with all those hypocrites? Because they confess one thing on Sunday and they live a whole other thing on Monday and the rest of the week. In your life, you are a testimony to Jesus Christ. In your life, in your behavior, honor Christ the Lord as holy. We have to recognize his rule every day and in every part of our lives. Our confession on Sunday must affect our life on Monday and following. That's the call to the believer in our life, in our behavior to honor Christ as holy. And if you, if you are not prepared to do that, then don't tell people you're a believer because it is dishonoring to God when our life and our confession don't match each other. Don't, don't tell people you go to church and don't tell them you go to this church. Tell them you're a Methodist or a Baptist or something like that. Our confession and our life have to fit together. We must be prepared to live in a way that every day brings glory to God in all of our relationships, in our families, in our workplace, with our neighbors, being authentic to the truth that we know. God has called us to holiness. We read about that back in chapter 2. A call to holiness. And that continues in this chapter. Honoring Christ the Lord as holy in our behavior, in the way that we live. He says in verse 18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Christ suffered the righteous for the unrighteous. Now there may be times where we as those who are unrighteous suffer for righteousness sake. But Christ was righteous and suffered for us. Christ was righteous, did nothing wrong, and suffered for the unrighteous. That's the simple glorious truth of the gospel. That Christ came and chose to give himself for those whom God had elect from all eternity to shower his love upon them by giving up his life. And that's the call of the gospel again this evening. Embrace that Lord Jesus Christ. Confess him as your Lord, as your Savior. There is no preparatory works you have to do Simply hear the glory of what Christ has done, giving up himself, giving up his life, that we might be brought to life. And embrace that glorious truth and know Christ Jesus as Lord. 
And then as the Spirit continues to work in us to live that out in our everyday life. Honor Christ the Lord as holy because of what he has done. Because he has saved you. He has made you his own. Honor him in your heart. In spite of what you might see in the world around you. In spite of the difficulties that come your way. God is still on the throne. He is still in control. Honor him in your words. Always prepared to to give an answer for the hope that is in you. And honor him in your life. Yes, we are fallen. Yes, we are sinful. But God does not leave us there. His Holy Spirit does work in the lives of his people that we begin we begin to conform ourselves more and more to the word of God to the law he has given us to show him our gratitude honor Christ the Lord as holy let's pray together but our God we are so thankful for the work of Jesus Christ We are so thankful that there is nothing we need to do to prepare for the gospel. Nothing we could offer you, nothing that would make you turn our way, but you simply in your love choose those who are your own. And that that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die for each and every one of your chosen. Oh, we thank you, O God, for the simplicity of that truth that all have sinned and fall short of your glory and, and are justified by the work of Jesus Christ. If there are those here tonight, O oh God, who have never put their faith in Jesus, who have never embraced that truth, we pray that tonight your Holy Spirit might be at work and might be active, that this word of God might penetrate into hearts and might bring them from death to life, that they might know the, the joy and the glory of, of honoring Christ as Lord. Help all of us, O oh God, in our words, in our lives, in our thoughts, to recognize that Jesus Christ sits on the throne. He is King, he is Lord, and we have the privilege and the pleasure to serve and follow him. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to sing together once again from the Trinity Psalter hymnal, this time number 502. Number 502, all for Jesus, all for Jesus, all my being's ransomed powers, all my thoughts and words and doings, all my days and all my hours. We're going to sing verses 1 and 2 and 4 and 5. Verses 1 and 2, 4 and 5, number 502, all for Jesus. Let's stand together as we sing. (laughs) 